Hello, I'm Pete Bowen, and welcome to Wisdom, Leadership, and Success, Real Talk About Life. You can subscribe to this blog and podcast at my websites, www.realtalkaboutlife.com or petebowen.net. It's also available on iTunes and other podcast services. I learned a few important lessons last week that some might find helpful. On March 17, government-ordered COVID-19 shutdowns reduced my consulting business income to $0 overnight. The same week, two of my three daughters were laid off from their jobs. At the time, we were told that the shutdown would be a couple of weeks. It would be tough and painful, but we would get through it. Though I had no income, we had enough savings to go about six months on a bare-bones budget. Besides, the government promised help for businesses like mine to get through it all. I applied for unemployment and tried to apply for the PPP loans the government promised. We weren't too concerned. We felt comfortable that our savings could carry us past the crisis. Then the shutdown kept getting extended. First to a month, then 8 to 12 weeks. At the same time, the government promises started falling flat. As a sole owner LLC, I had to wait until Friday, April 10th to apply for a PPP loan. I didn't get access to an online application until Tuesday night, April 15th. By then, the PPP money was already gone. Unemployment? I got denied for several reasons, including that I had, quote, excessive earnings of $145 one week when I took a 35-minute client phone call. We are genuinely grateful for the $2,400 in federal money we did receive. Here in Orange County, California, that's about 10 days of living expenses for a family of four at the low income level. But then the shutdown kept getting longer. Three months, then six months, and now maybe 12 to 18 months. Last week we realized that our savings are going to run out long before our political leaders tell us the economy is going to reopen. Government-ordered shutdowns took away all of our income. There's no PPP money for us, no EIDL money, no unemployment money, no business income for as long as a year. We're in trouble. We have to compete with 25 million other Americans to find jobs that generate a combined $50 an hour for us to make the low income level. And my family's not alone in this. A school teacher hairdresser friend of mine is already part of a rising black market economy. She's a long-term substitute teacher who's only getting about $800 a month in employment because her UI base rate was too low as a substitute teacher. How is she going to make her $2,000 rent on May 1st? How is she going to buy food? If you were in her situation, would you cut people's hair in their homes despite the government guidelines? A good friend owns an OC tourism business. It looks like they're approved for the PPP money and they're grateful for it it will help them get by through the end of June. The problem is that Disneyland may not reopen until August or September. There's no apparent mechanism by which they can last through August, much less September or October, which is how long it will take for them to get their business back up. If they go out of business, it's going to be very difficult for them to restart it. The wife of another friend beat stage 4 cancer two years ago. With a compromised immune system, she is high risk for COVID-19. Nevertheless, she's working in a grocery store because their fear of COVID-19 is outweighed by their need for the income. These are all educated, upper-middle-class people running successful businesses until the government shutdowns ended their work. 
All of us have been willing to make big personal and professional sacrifices to help address this terrible pandemic. But when politicians blithely talk about shutdowns lasting 6 or 12 or 18 months, and government help lasts two and a half months or doesn't come at all, you're hit in the face with a new reality. Our six months of savings went from more than enough to cover the shutdown to it's going to fall way short. How am I going to feed and house my family when our savings run out? My friends whose companies received millions in PPP loans explained to me with some condescension that they are sorry I'm in this spot, but this is all necessary to keep the pandemic down. The message comes across as, if you just understood how important all of this is, you wouldn't feel this way. You know, you just need to get more informed. You just need to adjust your thinking. Then they spend most of their energy and time fighting over whose fault this is. In the beginning of April, I thought largely the same way. I had a path to get through this. With six months of savings and promises of government help, I was socially distanced from the impact of shutting down our economy. Now that the government promises have fallen flat and my path appears to come up short, my Marine Corps response to them is, are you shitting me? Lesson one, I was reminded that as much as I think I understand the pain of others, there is a big difference when I'm actually in it. And that leads to lesson two, the top 10% of this nation, that's you and me, are overconfident, self-absorbed, and smug. We are highly educated, but lack wisdom. We've got degrees from prestigious universities where we benefited less from what we learned and more from the resulting social status and connections. We value pure intellectual knowledge over wisdom, and we are the worst for it. We are overconfident and smug. We don't listen to people who disagree with us to see if we can learn something. Instead, we attack them because disagreement means they are either stupid or evil. We are self-absorbed. Bad things happen to other people, not us. None of these traits are wise or helpful when we need to come together to tackle this crisis. I didn't understand the impact of shutting down the economy until I felt the impact on me. I got an important lesson in humility. My CEO friends who got millions in PPP money are blind to the possibility that they are just a few months behind me, even when that possibility is put explicitly before them. When you feel safe financially, it's easy to be insensitive to what's happening to tens of millions of our brothers and sisters throughout America. It's easy to lecture them about how the shutdown is so much more important than the economy. Nationally, we have at least 68 million families with 100 million people who live paycheck to paycheck. We have 25 million unemployed in America. In Los Angeles County, only 45% of the residents have jobs. Now, instead of thinking about, try to emotionally feel the following. The PPP money your law firm or business just ran out. All your clients called in the last few days and said they can't pay their bills. You have zero receivables. You have just three weeks of personal money for your family's expenses. You need $7,000 a month in Southern California to survive at the low income level. You're receiving $800 a month in unemployment. Political leaders nonchalantly mention that the shutdown will go 6 to 12 months, so you have little hope of work until October. Maybe. May 1 is coming. Are you going to spend your $800 on food or use it to offset your $2,000 rent? We haven't even talked about your electricity or heat or water or phone or insurance bills. 
Now that you have a few weeks of food, you'll always spend your money on food before rent. How are you going to do this again on June 1 and again on July 1? Even if you got your job back tomorrow, you won't get a full paycheck for at least three weeks. If you really face the problem of not having enough money to feed or house your family, how would you feel and what would you do? I learned last week that the gap between where you are right now and the scenario above is much smaller than I knew. Our leaders, that's you and me, have little sense of what tens of millions of people are going through as you read this. With government paychecks and contracts and PPP money, we blithely lecture 100 million people that they must risk homelessness and hunger to stay safe from a virus that has a 2% mortality rate. To those without jobs, it looks a lot like burning down the village to save it. And that brings us to lesson three. Wisdom demands honest, good-faith discussion and decision-making about the whole problem, not just one part of the problem. Every day we have detailed briefings by hundreds of government leaders on the intricacies of the pandemic and our medical response and the models and. That's all 10 out of 10, 110%, very important. Comparatively, however, we get almost no discussion about the daily struggles of 100 million of our American brothers and sisters as they try to avoid hunger and homelessness. Where are the daily briefings with charts and statistics and models on how the shutdown is impacting them? Where is the detailed planning to get them back to work? We, the politicians and top 10%, are in a relatively comfortable position. We're not facing hunger or homelessness, so their struggles are just not that important. We focus on what we do feel. Fear that if the hospitals are swamped with COVID-19 patients, we might not get the treatment we want for a heart attack. That's what's real to us. Besides, we threw money at the unemployed. We already checked that box. Now it's time to lecture them about how important it is to us for them to stay isolated. About how disappointed we are if they do raise their voice and complain. We've never invited them into our discussion. We've never asked what they think. We've never actively listened to them or tried to feel what they're going through. Why would we listen? We're more educated than they are. We know more. A wise and honest approach would actively listen to everyone. It would pay as much attention to what our hundred million are going through as it does to what our hospitals are going through. It would focus on balancing the real trade-offs between health risks, hunger, and homelessness. It would end the incessant demonizing and fighting between politicians who seem to care far less about what's happening to us and far more about using this crisis as an opportunity to attack political opponents. We might be smart, but we lack wisdom, respect, and compassion. Lesson 1. I was reminded that as much as I think I understand the pain of others, there's a big difference when I'm actually in it. We must remind ourselves that there's a big difference between the abstract pain of others and feeling it ourselves. Lesson two, the top 10% of this nation, that's you and me, are overconfident, self-absorbed, and smug. We are highly educated, but we lack wisdom. We need to be aware of our egotism, learn humility, and engage each other in respectful, good-faith conversations, actively listening to all of our brothers and sisters. Lesson 3. Wisdom demands honest, good-faith discussion and decision-making about the whole problem, not just the part of the problem that directly impacts us. 
A week ago, I would have reflexively said, let's take our time to open the economy as it becomes safe. I felt comfortable, confident, and educated saying it. Today, I'll tell you that as bad as the health risks are, and they're really bad, we need to give the same attention to our brothers and sisters getting really hurt by this shutdown. Those are the lessons I've learned the hard way. Maybe they're lessons we can all think about. I'm Pete Bowen. Thank you for listening to Wisdom, Leadership, and Success, Real Talk About Life with me, Pete Bowen. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Please visit our websites, realtalkaboutlife.com or petebowen.net. I'd love to hear your thoughts and questions about this issue. Thanks.